everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you're brand new to this show, the show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. So we are back, and today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be going back a little bit old school. We're going to revert things back a little bit and move forward. So before we get into that, let's get a little bit of announcements out of the way. This show can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Podcast Addict. I, I think it can be found everywhere. Wherever you find podcasts, it's there now. Um, I've done so much trying to get this spread out every which way. And you can find this on YouTube at Magic with just search Magic with Zuby on YouTube. It's there. Boom. Got it. I also try to stream a little bit on twitch.tv slash Magic Zuby. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Magic Zuby, on Instagram at Magic underscore underscore Zuby, and once in a while on TikTok at MTG Zuby. And we are also sponsored by Cardsphere.com, the best place to buy, trade, and sell your Magic Singles and Sealed product. And we are also sponsored by Alter Sleeves. Use promo code MAGICWITHZUBY to get 5% off your next purchase. And that kind of helps me out as well, too. So let's get into it here. Uh, we're not doing an interview episode. We are actually going back to the old school Magic with Zuby. Yes, the old school where it's a solo episode where... I talk magic just by myself. Now, that's not to say we are done with interview episodes or anything. No, no, no. By far, we're not done with that. We're just trying something a little bit different. So, yes, I did take a lot of time off. And if anything, if you've been following the show, especially this year, this year has been freaking insane. It's been it's been a crazy year uh, with my house flooding, uh, with basically having to get the pretty much almost the entire house renovated having to live in a hotel for two months and god just having to uproot my entire family having my kids live through that and just just tr making all these decisions doing so much shit with the house and just everything in life it just sort of all piled on at once and yeah it, it's a lot to deal with on top of you know being in a pandemic right i mean that doesn't help at all either um so yeah that that has been so far this year has not been the greatest and it just piled on to a point to where i just got majorly depressed like really 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 badly depressed and i just i couldn't do it anymore and the, i had some people that i had scheduled to be interviewed on the podcast i was supposed to go on some streams i had to cancel them all it was just it got to a point where it's like i can't do this i can barely get up and it's enough energy just to do my job right now and that's how bad it was and i just couldn't do anything more besides that so it, it's getting better and i i've been really thinking about what else I want to do with this show because as much as I love the interviews it's I, I I want to do something a little bit different but what could I really do right it, it's I, I I think back to like why I started doing this content and, and really I started doing this because I love magic and I love talking about magic and so we're going to go back to some solo episodes where I talk about magic topics and you can definitely see that in uh my podcast with uh almost said Zuby with Pixie uh, magic for normies, where we discuss a lot of magic topics going on and give our thoughts about them. And I want to do something similar to this because that's what I sort of used to do here, but I'm also not just going to be talking about magic as well. I also want to start giving thoughts about D and D some other stuff, games, other topics that I want to talk about, but magic will always be first and foremost in this show that no matter what, Magic is going to be the first set of topics I talk about. And after that, if you're still interested, you can hear my takes on Dungeons and Dragons, RPGs, games, topics, whatever the hell is just floating my boat that week. So there you have it. Um, so still going to be doing a mix of solo and guest episodes. Uh, life has been getting super busy now. Um, so I may not always be able to release episodes weekly like I was, like I used to. Just this past month in September, I had to travel for two weeks, 
And then in October, I'm busy again for another two weeks. I got to travel. November so far seems pretty quiet on the travel front, at least. But then I have to travel again in December. And next year, I've already got some travel plans in the summertime. Who knows what's going to happen in winter and spring? So it's it, it as much as I'm excited about traveling again, it's, you know, I'm still a little bit apprehensive of traveling during a pandemic. And with all Delta variant just shooting up, yes, I'm vaccinated and all that. And so, and yeah, I wear my mask, all that other crap, but you know, you you just never freaking know what's going to happen. And it's been that whole sense of not going anywhere for about a year and a half. And then all of a sudden, whoo, we're going back for full force all of a sudden traveling. And it's like, I'm excited to do it again, but it's like, oof, takes a lot more out of you, but you know, it is what it is. So it's, so, so that's what's happening is I'm not going to be able to release episodes weekly like I used to, but I'll do my best to get episodes out. And the RPG Companion podcast is going to be kind of no more. It's basically what I'm going to want to talk about D&D wise or RPG wise. I'll just put in this show. RPG Companions started turning out to be more of a little bit more of a time sink stuff that I I really wanted to do, but just could not get the time to do it. Like my one episode where I talked about D&D versus Pathfinder, that still gets a lot of hits and comments even today on YouTube and even the audio. And it's like, I want to do more episodes like that, but that took so much time to do. Like the PowerPoint itself just took almost a week to do and in reality the powerpoint didn't really take that long it was just more of finding the time to do it and then getting it you know looking better and then getting the script down and blah 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 all that other stuff because it took a lot more research to do that episode than just a normal hey we're going to talk about these topics boom there you go um so not saying that i'm ever gonna not do those but Probably not, because I just don't have the time for it. So that does mean that doesn't mean there won't be D&D content. There actually is. I'm trying to work on a streamed D&D show. I have the players right now, and we're hoping to at least start sometime next year, because the next few months, there's absolutely no way. I'm just not going to be able to commit to it. But we're hoping after the holidays, we can at least get started. And hopefully I have more information about that further on down the road so there you go that that's sort of what's been going on and we're gonna just dive first into magic and then we're gonna talk about some DD stuff and then we're gonna talk about a little well-known game called final fantasy 14 to end with all right so what has been going on in the world of magic while i've been away Ooh, there's been quite a bit now, hasn't there? There's always that lovely drama that likes to happen on Twitter and on the online community. But we're going to be talking about something big that just happened a couple weeks ago. But before we do that, Midnight Hunt Innistrad or Innistrad Midnight Hunt is out. And if you saw me, I streamed a set booster box that Wizards of the Coast sent me and got some really nice stuff. I got a nice Renin 7 that's in my... Um, it's in this one commander deck that I really enjoy playing. Uh, it's Ashaya. And what's really interesting about this deck is I run zero creatures in it. And I I think it's pretty unique because I run about 45 lands. And my goal is to animate all the lands in the deck and just try to swing and win. And Ren and Seven will help that greatly. Pretty interesting deck. I don't know if you ever, if I've ever talked about it before. But anyways, so... Um, Innistrad Midnight Hunt came out. I played a little bit of it on Arena. Seems pretty nifty. I haven't done any limited for it yet. I'm not sure if I'm going to because uh, me and Arena are kind of not best friends right now because I'm just... It just it kind of sucks all the fun out of magic, to be honest. It's all paper magic for me. But I am hoping to stream a four-person free-for-all sealed uh midnight hunt stream pretty soon hopefully hopefully soon and then that that should be some indication whether or not how i like the limited environment of it but some of the cards seem cool you know i I like that delver secrets is back that's freaking awesome we haven't seen delver secrets since i guess it hasn't been printed since um og innistrad right i mean not counting the 
from the vault thing that came out a couple years ago. I think it was from the vault transformation or something. I, I, I mean, more in like a standard set. It, we haven't seen it since Innistrad, and I like that it's coming back. I, from what I hear from people, it's not very good in standard right now, but I don't play standard anymore, so I can't tell you. But some of the other big news that's been happening in Magic, and I know by the time this comes out, the topic will be talked about to death, but I want to talk about it a little bit, and that's the whole EDH unbanning and banning announcement that came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, it came out actually September 13th, and two cards uh, got talked about a little bit. One, Worldfire is unbanned. What? Um, and then Golos is banned. All right. First of all, I respect the rules community, rules committee, and the the CAG group and all that. You know, great bunch of people. But I gotta be honest here. I don't understand these cards being both unbanned and banned at all. I've read uh, their announcement, what they put on the website, the reasons why they stated. But I feel both choices are absolutely god awful. Um, not only is World Fire, World Fire is essentially I win card. It's one of those cards I really hate. Like, I hate Armageddon, right? You know, the destroy all lands card. And I I purposely play, one of my rules that I have in my play group is no mass land destruction. If you tell me you have a deck that says, hey, you know, one of my win cons is mass land destruction and then I can win, cool, all right? I'm okay with that. But if you're just going to play Mass Land Destruction just to slow the game down even more, get out of here with that nonsense. Like, seriously get out of there. Get out of here with that nonsense. I don't want to play with you ever. Okay? And World Fire is just like that. It's, it's a boring card that is just basically, okay, well, none of us are dead per se, but now we're just basically not doing anything and it's boring and it's really boring and I don't understand why this even got unbanned it should have stayed banned essentially if you don't remember what world fire does it's a six casting six colorless three red so nine mana exile all permanents exile all cards from all hands and graveyards each player's life total becomes one it's dumb it's a dumb card. It should stay banned. I don't. I don't get. What, why did you unban this? Like, I, I read the reason why. You know, it, it's. You know, you you could say. You know, you play this card and then everybody just scoops, right? But it's such. It's a dumb card. It, it's dumb. I don't want to play against that card. I don't want to play that card. It should have stayed banned. But the but the real card I want to talk about is Golos. Golos Tireless Pilgrim. It's a colorless commander that costs five and it does have the wooberg in its uh the card the card text so that means it could be basically played with any color and so th this is their reasoning and, and i'm gonna read it verbatim here golos tireless pilgrim has been a much discussed card that is both popular to play with and unpopular to play against there are many problems with the card, but the greatest is that in the low to middle tiers where we focus the ban list, Golos is simply a better choice of leader for all but the most commander-centric decks. Its present crushes the kind of diversity in commander choice which we want to promote. You can drop in Golos and a few five-color lands into a random deck and get all the ramping card advantage you would ever want from a commander with no worries about your mana base. Golos ability effectively reduces the commander tax to 1 once you hit 7 mana, with Golos assuring that you have Wooberg and helping you get there quickly. You don't need to do anything for the rest of the game except cast free spells, something we always want to be careful about. We've talked to the folks in Studio X and they understand the problems created by generically powerful 5 color commanders that don't have Wooberg in their mana cost. We don't expect similar cards to come from them in the future, so a surgical strike now makes sense. We understand that many players love Golos, so we don't take this action lightly. In the end, the health of the format is our primary concern and we find Golos unhealthy. While Kenrith the Return King is a similarly flexible and popular commander for good stuff 5 color decks, we see it as a clear step down from Golos. Now, I understand their reasoning. 
doesn't mean I have to like it. Now, if you've ever looked on EDA Trek, you've known like that is the most popular built commander. It is a really popular commander for newer players to build because you can really just take Golos as a commander and just build a pile of crap with it and boom, you've got a deck. You know, it's really one of those kind of commanders. You can literally make it to be anything. Yeah, there's ways to make it really strong and powerful, blah, blah, blah. We all know that. We all know that. But to effectively ban the most popularly built commander, according to EDHREC, that's a huge blow and not one that I agree with at all. I think it should be reversed. I think they need to just come out and say, hey, we didn't mean to ban this or, or we thought about it, you know, we, we, you know, saw the feedback, blah, 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 and we're going to unban it. You know, always make sure rule zero is talked about, blah, 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 blah. Because, you know, I, I know I know a lot of people out there, well, you can just rule zero Golos to be legal. It's like, yeah, okay, I know. But there's so many people out there that still follow the rules, the, the banning list, you know, to a T. They don't rule zero anything like that in there. And I don't know. I just I just don't I just don't agree with this card being banned because it's not it's not that good or okay it's a good card but it's not that strong right like you you understood the reasoning for Hull Breacher being banned I never personally played against Hull Breacher except maybe once and it was just funny what happened but I just like, Hull Breacher made sense, even though I didn't agree with it. Golos doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it effectively reduces the commander tax by one because you're going to get a free land out there as when you can or when it enters the battlefield. But man, I mean, it's it's not the strongest thing I've seen, and I don't. And I think any of the times I played against it, it's never even felt that strong. Now when you look at Magic Arena and you look at Brawl or Historic Brawl, it's a freaking degenerate deck. It's ridiculous in Brawl. Ban it in Brawl, why don't you? Because it's freaking annoying because that's all you go up against on Magic Arena is basically Golos and Essica decks. But in a four-person pod, Golos just doesn't seem to be that good. Now, and like I said, don't take this as, oh, Golos will never be good or, or it's really good, you know, crap like that. It's just I don't know. And I know the, the answer to all this is just talk to your play group. If you want to play Golos, play it. But I, this is just one I just cannot get behind and I don't understand at all where, how this even came up to be, you know, even looked at like, hey, we're looking at Golos and we're going to possibly ban it. Um, I know there was an article earlier this year, I want to say, that did mention this was on the watch list. But even then, I mean, is is this even that bad of a card, honestly? Like, like I want to hear from you all, right? Anybody listening, watching, if you're out there, if you've made it this far, have you seen Golos be as ridiculously broken? Or, or even, you know, or have you seen Golos be as oppressive as they even possibly discuss. I mean, it's just, I, I just don't see it. I really don't. And I don't know. I, I think out of all the decisions I've ever seen the rules committee do, usually I can agree with them. I, I, I can see it. Like I said, I didn't a hundred percent agree with hall breacher, but I totally understood why they did it. But for this card, I don't agree at all. Like I just feel this is one of the worst uh, bannings and unbannings they have ever done. And I hate to be hyperbolic and say it gets me worried about the future of Commander. Because in a sense it doesn't, but it does a little bit. You know, like, like how, how are we going to know if, you know, some of the more popular cards that come out like, oh, well, it's going to get banned. You know, I mean, is this going to turn into where Commander's a rotating format? I mean, you can make an argument it kind of is at this point because so much product comes out. I, I can't even keep up with it. <laughs> I can't I can't keep up with all the product. But, I mean, I don't know, man.
rules committee why i don't get it i'm i'm i i know their their heart and heads were in the right place and they're thinking about the integrity of the format um they they, they want to make sure that it's a format with integrity i i i got to be able to say that with a straight face without cracking up right it is a very it is a format with integrity and it does allow mechanically unique stuff and um you know just this is one where i have to really step back and say i don't agree with them at all and i am very curious to see how and what will happen in the future now so on to the next topic as i was writing um my my episode sheet for topics to talk about i i started this last weekend or not last weekend uh, last week as of this recording it is tuesday september 28th yes and um so i was i actually started writing this all out i want to say last wednesday thursday um i couldn't do it over the weekend due to my wife and i were celebrating 15 years together and we went to the beach and it was absolutely gorgeous oh my gosh i loved it so relaxing i just we were at the beach you know watched the sunset the first night stayed there until about midnight at night then went to bed and got up early the next morning and just stayed at the beach until about four or five o'clock in the afternoon and went home uh, we could only do it uh, saturday and sunday we couldn't go friday night or anything um because she had to work friday and she had to work monday and i had off monday and tuesday but um, anyway, so we did that. So I was been meaning to record this earlier. So I say all that because I was sort of out of tune with what was going on in the magic sphere uh, over the weekend. And my next topic was I was going to talk about how Magic Arena teamed up with a company called Matcharino for some new... Uh, midnight hunt tournament that Crokey's uh, one of the streamers uh, was gonna run and I I say this because they had to cancel that event because Matcharino could not handle the amount of people that were signing up for this and um, it was I, I gotta say it was pretty funny pretty funny overall because apparently a lot of people are mad that Wizards didn't go with this other website called MTG Melee. And let me preface, I've never heard of MTG Melee before this whole Matcharino thing came about. Um, I don't really follow the arena news or anything like that besides the state of the game stuff. You know, to see what new features are coming out and if there's any new formats that I may want to try out. Um, that's about the extent of what I pay attention to arena wise. Other than that, apparently this MTG melee is a tournament site that even wizards of the coast used for other magic arena tournaments. And people were all mad. They didn't use them and they went with this match arena. Um, so there was that whole hubbub about it. I, I don't know. I, I don't really have any thoughts on it. Um, the only thing I understand about it is I guess match arena is also, partnered or works with team liquid which is a huge esports organization and i kind of see why uh wizards wanted to use a site that was associated with team liquid because let's be honest team liquid is one of the bigger names in esports and all that and if they still want to try to make magic an esport i mean might as well go with a company like team liquid than some Unfortunately, no name MTG Melee. M maybe they're not no name. M maybe they are really big. I I, I don't know. I, I don't follow it. So, um, found that to be kind of funny as I'm looking through my show notes and I thought I'd bring that up. Uh, so, I, I I guess that tournament didn't happen, and I think there were talks of them going to use MTG Melee in future events and not with Matcharino. I think so pretty funny stuff just goes to show that pro play is being killed by casual players again commander players just keep killing pro players what are you gonna do it's a conspiracy we got to put our tinfoil hat on that 
commander players are actively trying to hurt the pro scene. Untinfoil unten hat. There you go. Well, and there you have it for a lot of the magic news. Um, other stuff that has really been going on, at least with me, magic. Um, shit. I, I finally got my list done with my Dungeons and Dragons in a Cube, the player edition. I'm working on shoring up the monster edition now. Um, I do have an article coming out soon on Cardsphere discussing the entire player's cube. Um, I don't have a date when that's going to be released. But as soon as it is, I'll be sure to put it out on my Twitter. And then eventually I'm going to do another article discussing um, the monster cube as well, too. So at this point, we're going to dive into some other topics. We are going to be done talking about magic now. We're going to dive into some D&D and then some Final Fantasy XIV. All right. Dungeons and Dragons has a new book coming out next month. And it is called Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons. I'm excited about this. Let me preface why I'm excited, because the name Fizban, if you don't know, is a wizard from the world of Dragonlance. Dragonlance being my favorite D&D setting. Um, I have read 30, 40 of the Dragonlance books. I don't I don't know. I, I know I haven't read them all because there's so many supplemental books and all that, but I've read so many of them that it's my favorite D&D world. I, I do like Forgotten Realms, but Dragonlance I started reading as a kid. I didn't really get into the Forgotten Realms books until later in life. So while I like them, they just don't have that same kind of connection as Dragonlance does. So Fizzband's Treasury of Dragon is going to be a source book that provides new stat blocks and lore for dragons and dragon-related creatures. Dragons being the titular creature of Dungeons and Dragons. It, I'm super excited about this because I love running dungeon or I love running dungeons as a DM. I mean, I love running dragons as a DM. The dragons that I have ran before for um, players has always been rather fun. I've I ran an ancient red dragon as one of the final enemies in a two-year campaign that finished this year, and um, that was super fun. And then um, at one point they had to fight a. Oh, what would you call it? a brood of black dragons? They they went to this other dimension, and they had to fight a whole brood of black dragons because this dimension was being powered by druids that got kidnapped, and they had to save the druids. But in the end, they sort of made a pact with the dragons to to stay there and like not seek out any more druids. It's this whole thing, and I could get into a whole tangent of it. But I, I, dragons are some of my favorite creatures. Ran um, there's those that that set a trilogy books in Dragonlance that are set between uh, after Dragons of Summer Flame and right before the War of Souls. It's the Gene Rabe trilogy um, where it has like Calendros Moore, who is used to be Kitiara's blue dragon, um, Sky or Ski, I think. And then uh, it has Maelstrix, the giant red dragon that came from, like, another dimension or something. And then the, the black dragon. Oh, I'm forgetting the names. Um, then the the green dragon, which is, like, Barrelstrix or some Barrel something. I, they have complicated names. But I loved that trilogy as a kid, too. That that, that was one of my favorite trilogies of it. You know, the, fir the first trilogy of Dragonlance was great. Um... And then that trilogy, I loved it too. So, so I, I guess where I'm getting at is this being a book titled Fizzband's Treasury of Dragon. I'm hoping this means we'll start to see a little bit more Dragonlance in uh, the D&D books. Because as far as I understand, and when it comes to 5th edition, there hasn't really been anything at all related to Dragonlance except certain snippets and books and some of the source books briefly talking about it, and but that's about it. So what this book is going to be is it's going to have stat blocks for dragons, and I think it's going to have some origins or ancestry things for Dragonborn as well. And I want to say there was, I think one of the classes is going to have like a new subclass or something, I think Ranger or something like that. I, I, I don't know for sure yet. I haven't looked too deep into this but I, I bring this up today 
It was because I found this article on comicbook.com talking that they revealed two dragons and these just sound so freaking awesome. They didn't talk about their stat blocks. They just talked about what they do. Uh, the first dragon we're going to discuss is called the Elder Brain Dragon. So the Elder Brain is sort of like the the central console of the Mind Flayers, the Illithids. It is the thing that sort of controls and tells the Illithids, you know, what to do, essentially. Things like the Hive Mind, right? So... From what I understand, this elder brain dragon is basically an elder brain that took over a dragon and, um, oh, where did it say? The first monster previewed is elder brain dragon, a creature created when a mind flayer's hive elder brain latches onto a dragon and takes control of it. And, okay, what did it say its breath weapon does? Because the breath weapon sounds disgustingly terrifying what's more the creature's breath weapon becomes decidingly more dangerous the elder brain also takes over the dragon's breath weapon mechanism and spews a stream of brine filled with tadpoles to begin performing ceramorphous ceramorphosis ceramorphosis i guess that's how you say it. as it transforms the humanoids around it Creatures continue taking psychic damage even when infested with a tadpole, stabilizing if they reduce zero hit points but remaining unconscious until they transform into a mind flayer. So think of it. Instead of like the breath weapon being like this stream of fire, right? Oh no, you gotta do a deck save to try to, you know, miss the tadpole or something. Oh no, you failed. Now tadpoles are coming at you and trying to turn into a mind flayer. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. While there's other mind flayers and illithids flying around doing psychic damage to you, and you've got to deal with this elder brain dragon, and all your players are just like, what the fuck, DM, where are you trying to kill us? And then, you know, you commit a TPK and you, you know, on the outside, you're like, oh no, sorry, that sucks. But on the inside, you're like, that sounds so awesome. Wyatt also noted that the Elder Brain Dragon has the ability to grapple with its tentacles and can break the concentration of a spellcaster using a legendary action if the dragon has the spellcaster in its tentacles. Oh shit. That's really badass. I can't wait to see the stat blog. Like, just the picture of this dragon has, like, as it's opening its mouth, it's got, like, this tongue just extruding out with, like, these tentacles, like, trying to grab onto something. And, oh, God, it looks like it's, like, this jellyfish manowar on its back, like, attached to the dragon's brain. Oh, my gosh. This... I want to run this. I want to run this dragon so bad. It looks so fucking awesome. Makes me want to make a whole mind flayer campaign because I do like the mind flayers. I, I did. I've always found the elder brain to be a bit boring to run, even though I've never ran it in a campaign. You know, I've done, you know, like what most DMs do. They picture how monsters might go and how you might run it against certain classes, blah, blah, blah. It just always felt kind of boring to me. But this Elder Brain Dragon makes me really want to do an Illithid campaign now. Ooh, damn. So, oh, that's the Elder Brain Dragon. I can't wait. Uh, oh, I'm going to talk about this dragon even more. Like, when the book comes out, I want to talk about it on the podcast more. The, the other dragon they announced that is coming out is the other monster preview by Dragon Plus is the Drake, a new kind of beholderkin. The Idrake is created when a Beholder becomes obsessed with a dragon. The creature is a weird combination of dragon and Beholder with wings made up of eye stalks and a fake mouth that contains a large central eye. The Idrake's core ability combines the unique abilities of a dragon and a Beholder. The mouth is perpetually open showing a large central eye that emits a breath-like wave of anti-magic energy. It really is the breath weapon of a dragon with an anti-magic cone of Beholder. Two great tastes that taste together. Okay, so I've never run a Beholder in D&D. I have ran a Death Tyrant. And while Death Tyrants are similar to Beholders, they have a little bit different abilities. Uh, that Death Tyrant almost caused a TPK to my party. And um, they only survived out of pure fucking luck out of there was only like one character left 
and they got the final strike in and like barely made it. It was one of those it was one of those fights as a DM where you're like, oh shit, I may kill everybody. And then you have the one character come up and do the final strike and they barely make it and you're even cheering along with the table. I love those things as a DM. So the beholder dragon thing here, um, basically think of like a fat dragon and their uh, their wings all have eyes at the end of the of the spines and all that stuff and i they don't really give much info about what the beholder dragon can do except the breath weapon is a wave of anti-magic energy so does that mean the anti-magic energy is only temporary or is it like one of those where the beholder where wherever the eye is looking it's going to be the anti-magic cone or is it going to be like a permanent effect? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. But j just the thought of this is like a, f a dragon flying around and it can do like the eye beam attacks like a beholder can do. Maybe can do something else that dragons can do. Like, I don't know. Other breath weapons or, or wing attacks or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And, and is this going to be as strong as a beholder, if not a little bit weaker? But I mean, the picture shows one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine eyes. So, and normal beholders have like what nine or ten eyes, right? Something like that. So, um, I'm I'm excited to see what this is going to show up here. Uh, it says the book is going to be released October seventeenth. I know I'm getting it. Um, I'll, I'll definitely be doing a review on it when it comes out. Um, I did just get the Wild Beyond the Witchlight uh, campaign book. Um, I I've only read the first chapter so far about the carnival, and I really liked it so far because it's given me some ideas of what I want to do um, just in a campaign. But so far, um, I don't have too many thoughts on it yet. Um, I, I've been reading some other books right now, and... But I, I do want to try to dive back into because what I like to do is I like to get all the campaign books. And even though I may never, ever run the campaign, I get ideas from them and incorporate them into my into my games where, you know, cool, like a cool idea pops up at a, a descent into Avernus. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to use that or a character from a book that I really, really, really like. I'm going to put them in my game as well to maybe slightly tweak their name or something like that to make it my own. But you know what I mean? I'm sure a lot of DMS do that stuff, but yeah, um, October 17th, Fizzband's treasury of dragons comes out. I'm excited for it. Holy shit. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to be talking about it hundred percent. So we're going to be rounding off the episode talking about final fantasy 14. Um, for the past, two almost three months now i've been really digging final fantasy 14 so um part of it had to do the part of the reason why i got back into the game was a lot of it had to do with shadowlands um with world of warcraft shadowlands just not being fun i that it's like it's not that the expansion was bad or anything but the game itself i just feel like punishes me as a casual player because I want to I want to do what I used to do like you know the dungeons the heroics the mythics but you just feel punished for not knowing you know the exact routes I love tanking but it was just the, the community got to a point where it got so toxic where I just avoided anyone and everyone except playing with some friends and we just mainly did old raids for transmog stuff and you know, you can only do that stuff for so long. And so I've, I've been seeing that Final Fantasy 14 has been sort of gaining in popularity again. And I wanted to check it out because honestly, the last time I played Final Fantasy 14 was when it first came out. Um, we're talking about before Realm Reborn because I got the game. I got the collector's edition. I was so pumped for it because I missed out on Final Fantasy 11. I didn't get to play it. So I wanted to come in on Final Fantasy XIV because I think at the time Cataclysm was out and I was not really enjoying Cataclysm because that killed my guild and all that. And I wanted something new again. And I didn't even last a month into Final Fantasy XIV when it first came out. And it was pretty god-awful. It was bad. Just going to say that right now. It was bad. So couple months i want to say 
back in like late June, early July, I, I started downloading it and playing it again. And I kind of made a commitment like, yeah, this is going to be my game now. Because especially after I was done with WoW, um, what really cemented my feelings on WoW was the whole Blizzard lawsuit. Because I read the I read the filed lawsuit that uh, the state of California put out. And that, that was just holy shit. Like really eye-opening and just made me completely disgusted that I ever supported a company like this. And then, you know, more shit coming out with against Blizzard and people getting fired and, you know, the SEC coming after Blizzard. It's just like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with them as a company. I'm going to stick with Final Fantasy XIV here. And I just want to talk a little bit about my thoughts on the game so far. And for people who may still be on the fence and who may still only be playing WoW, you know, how does it compare to WoW? We're going to sort of give a pros and cons list here. So I want to first talk about the pros of the game. And I, the first thing I have on my little list here is the story is so good in this game. Now, one of the things that I have always really enjoyed about WoW was the lore, the story. Um, you know, I collected the three volumes of World of Warcraft lore and read through them. Um, I don't think I read the last one, though, but I, I know I read the first two. Uh, and then I've read a bunch of the supplemental books. You know, I loved Warcraft 1, 2, and 3. 1, not so much. 2 and 3, fucking loved them. Uh, so I loved all the characters in it and was getting more and more excited that the the game was starting to focus more on story. And But, you know, after a while, especially Battle for Azeroth, like, I was so hyped for Battle for Azeroth. And then, like, towards the middle of the game, it just, like, it just got really bad. Shadowlands started off really fun, and then it just got really, really bad. Um, this whole Sylvanas Redemption crap. I mean, I'm still following... Uh, World of Warcraft story news to see what's going to happen, but I kind of have no hope. So how can the story be so good from MMO here? Um, let's just say that the the best way that I've heard the, the way you play the story described was when you take a quest in World of Warcraft, it's like you're reading a whole page, like a, a paragraph here. Um, and you know, half the time, no one's going to read that. They're just going to look at the objectives. All right, collect five boar livers and, you know, bring them back to me. No no one, you know, only they only care about collecting the livers and getting the experience, right? For, for Final Fantasy XIV is you're actually, like, told the story in cutscenes and, like, in short little dialogue chunks. So it makes it easier to follow and... They make the characters very, um, what's the word for it? They make, they make them very relatable. Um, no one is like a one dimensional character. Everything's not just black and white. There's a lot of gray. Uh, there will be characters you meet that will come off as bad at first, but then you may have to work with them and they may, you know, want to ask forgiveness for what they did. You know, there, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of figures in the story that are very tragic that just aren't, you know, you know, oh my gosh, I'm here to destroy the world. And then, you know, oh, you beat me. And then they sort of sometimes reflect on what they did and understand like, okay, well maybe my, even though what I thought was doing was a, what I thought I was doing was a good thing, or at least in my mind, what I thought was good. It actually turned out hurting a lot more people than I thought. You know, sometimes the ends don't justify the means. So just the best way to describe the story. It is so good. Um, and one of the things I always tell everybody when you start off, the story is going to feel really slow. And a lot of times you're going to feel like, what am I doing? I'm just going around talking to people. Trust me. I know I felt that same way. I just kept on wondering, all right, when is it going to get good? There, there's at some point in a realm reborn where you're just doing all this little stuff and then boom, it just fucking hits you. And you're like, oh shit, like shit just got real. And what I also really, really, really love is all the little threads the game starts to put out for you. It talks about people here or you may meet someone 
you, you know, you may talk to them for a couple things or you may help someone, you know, get them some food or get them some medicine. And then, boom, they show up later and they end up being your savior. And they're like, well, the only reason I helped you is because you helped me and all that. And, you know, it kind of makes you think like, oh, well, some of the shit I may have been doing that felt so useless. Now, it was actually helping people and it helped me you know, as well too. So there, there's like all these little threads that just start getting slowly doled out. And then especially as the expansions go on, you start realizing, oh my gosh, like this is what this one character was talking about two expansions ago. We're finally going here. And like what they talked about two expansions ago was like maybe a couple sentences and they're like, boom, we're going to go explore this now. We're going to dive deep into this theme and meaning. What does this mean for our characters? What does it mean for the world? Right? So it's story just absolutely phenomenal for, for an MMO game. It sucks you in and you have to let it suck you in. It is a slow burn and Anyone will tell you that, especially there's at one point in A Realm Reborn where it's just going to boom, flip you over. And and when I talk, and seriously, it it's, it's so fucking good. I don't want to spoil anything. Like people who may be listening who have already played through Final Fantasy XIV know what I'm talking about. But when you get to the end of A Realm Reborn, all, all I have to say is oh oh my god like literally my jaw was dropped down like the entire time so where i'm at in the game right now is i'm about halfway through the main story of shadowbringers the current final expansion right now the new expansion Endwalker is coming out later this year in november um, I already pre-ordered the deluxe edition got the early access and everything it's how much i like this game so far um been loving Shadowbringers, by the way. I loved Heaven's Ward was so good. Stormblood, oh my gosh. The, the one thing I will say about Stormblood, which I, I guess spoilers, spoilers, so watch out. Um, There were so many Final Fantasy VI references throughout the game of Stormblood that Final Fantasy VI is my all-time favorite video game ever, ever of all time. It was like, the first video game I ever played that really showcased a game can be more than just a game. It can transcend itself on top in terms of story, right? It was the type it was the first game I really played that showed that a story in an interactive video game can have a lot of impact and meaning on someone, right? And and I know I talked about this before on Magic for Normies, like when I played Last of Us Part Two that story just fucking blew me away. It was so good. But, um, and, and th this is where I'm sort of comparing this with Final Fantasy 14. Like, is it on the same level as Last of Us Part Two? No. But for a game like Final Fantasy, it is really good. And it's not this anime weeaboo shit. Yes, there is that anime weeaboo stuff in the game. And, you know, and if you like that, awesome, cool. If not, you know, you know it's there. You know, you, you don't have to pay attention to it. But the story just, it blows me away. Um, the other thing I really, really like about what this game does so well compared to World of Warcraft. And, and I'm going to keep going back to World of Warcraft because that's been the only other major MMO I played for a long time. I, I The only other games I've really played before were Lord of the Rings Online, but that was only for a couple months and... God, that was so long ago, I hardly remember the game. But the, the other thing that I really, really think that Final Fantasy XIV does so well is all content is relevant. And what I mean by that is you look at a game like World of Warcraft, all the old raids, all the old dungeons, once you hit max level, useless. You, there's no reason to run them. Maybe for mounts and achievement titles and... um you know, transmog and stuff like that. But what's really cool is even the old dungeons from a realm reborn heavens ward and all that, they are still relevant due to something they have. They call duty roulettes and the level sinking as well too. level sinking is where your, your character is level 50, but you want to play with your friend who's only level 20, right? So what they're going to do is they're going to take your level 50 character and bring him back down to level 20. You're still going to have all your items and gear and all that, but you're not going to have any of the skills 
you gain past level 20. So it's like you're back to being level 20, but you can still gain a good amount of experience to help get yourself towards level 51, right? So I found that to be freaking awesome where you're not overleveled your care, you know, your friends and you can't play with them because you're just going to breeze through everything in a dungeon or a raid or something like that. I feel like that's freaking awesome. The other thing that I think is really neat about the game is there's no need for alts. For people who are altaholics, you know, you still have the choice out there, but you don't have to have alt characters. And what I mean by that is having more than one character to be able to play other classes, right? So the Final Fantasy XIV takes from the job class, which has been seen in other previous Final Fantasy games like Final Fantasy III, V, um, Final Fantasy X-2, uh, and I think even Final Fantasy XI had the job class. I don't know. I've never played it. That's just what I'm guessing. Um, so what this means is you pick a job class to start off with. Let's just say Gladiator, right? You pick a Gladiator and then you get to level 10 or 15 of the Gladiator. You're like, I'm getting kind of bored of this. I want to go be a Black Mage instead. Well, okay, we'll go to the place where you can go become a Black Mage in the in one of the cities, and boom, there you go. You're a Black Mage now, but you start off back at level one, which that's fine, right? You just level back up again and do it all over again. Uh, you do some quest or do some of your hunting log, um, whatever it takes to get back up to level 15. And what's cool is you can do that for all the classes, and... Same for the crafters as well, too. There's crafting, um, there's carpentry, uh, woodcutting, fishing, culinary, you know, for cooking, alchemists. There's other stuff I know I'm forgetting, but, you know, you can do the same for that too. level up those crafting classes on top of your job classes. So that I found really cool. You only really need one character to, um, to, to really play the game. You don't need the alts to be able to experience everything. And the last thing that I found to be really awesome that was a pro was the community in Final Fantasy XIV so far, and I say that with an asterisk, so far seems to be way less toxic than WoW has become. And from what I understand that Square Enix has a firm stance on toxicity in the community where they will ban you if you keep being toxic, if you keep being reported enough and boom, they'll ban you for good, and good. I'm glad about that. We don't need to deal with asshats like we did in WoW, right? Where, oh, you know, go kill yourself if you you fail at doing a dungeon or some shit. Fuck off, okay? Get out of here. We don't need that. Um, you know, I've heard complaints from some people that, you know, with it being so quote-unquote nice, the community can be a little bit overly nice and not, you know, kick people out of dungeons when they probably should be, um, either because they're being AFK or they're just doing a really, really poor job. You know, I'm, su I'm sure there are going to be asshats out there. I, I mean, I in so I have about 300 hours into the game right now, and I haven't come across any what I call toxic people, but I'm not... And I'm sure they're out there, right? It's just I personally haven't come across it. And so far, I've been pretty happy with the community. Everyone's been pretty welcome. Anytime I've had a question, someone in the world chat in one of the cities, Ulda's my favorite city, by the way, um, everyone, I've always gotten an answer from someone. And it's been, it's been great. I, I've been enjoying the hell out of it. And so that's what I consider a lot of the pros. Of Final Fantasy 14. Now, some of the cons, there's a few cons though, okay? Not everything's perfect. Uh, one of the biggest cons is buying the game. Buying the game can be very confusing, especially if you're on PC. Do you buy the PC version of the game or do you buy the Steam version of the game? There's two different versions. If you buy the PC version of Final Fantasy 14, it's not the Steam version, so you can't link it to your Steam account. The Steam account version is different from the PC version. So if you go to try, so as of right now, as of this recording, the PC version of Final Fantasy 14 is on sale, but not the Steam version. So if you go to Steam and try to find that sale, it's not on sale right now. You have to go on Square Enix's website to get the sale, but it's only link to the PC launcher, not Steam. It's confusing as hell. Uh, for like the consoles, PlayStation, 
and all that super easy you know just go buy it on the playstation store but the pc just confusing as hell setting up the account was a confusing as hell trying to get a subscription was not very easy took a little bit um it's just not very simple that is one thing that blizzard has always done well is their account management boom easy you want to set up a subscription boom here you go you want to buy the game boom here you go you know there's none of this confusion about it square probably my biggest complaint about square is they really need to fix all that up uh the other thing is the main story quest as great as the story can be there are times it can be a really big slog like it can just i hate to say use the word boring but it can be boring not because the story isn't good but just oh my gosh sometimes it feels like they talk for too long like when something happens and you feel like okay well the result of this thing that happened okay we can wrap this up in a few sentences like okay boom you know like oh my gosh uh the bunny rabbit fell down and now we got to go find some antidote to to fix and heal it <laughs> right so then the conclusion that be okay so we can get the antidote here we're gonna go and travel across the forest to go get the antidote boom easy let's go let's get the quest done no final fantasy 14's way sometimes is like all right the bunny fell down needs the antidote all right we're gonna have like a 10 minute conversation about this antidote and what it does and how to get it and where to find it and the whole fucking history of this antidote and you're just like jesus just let me go find it i can go do it all right now granted that's a lot of hyperbole and not exactly what happens but pretty damn similar where you're just like oh my gosh i don't need a whole backstory on this one event and i hate saying that because even though it can feel like such a slog the writing's still really good oh fuck it's like the the length sometimes is a little bit too much it's a little bit too girthy um but yeah that's another big big complaint is sometimes the main story can just be like oh my gosh like sometimes i just want to log in i've only got maybe two hours to play right because it's at night and i just want to get in maybe do a few quests and then as i'm gonna be like okay i'm gonna finish this last main story quest and then i'm off and then it happens to be the main story quest where it's like oh god it's a 10 15 minute cutscene, and they're going on the backstory of you know wilma and her you know tragic life story of how you know her father went out for cigarettes at the gas station and never came back 30 years later you know something like that and you're like oh jesus fuck hurry the hell up um <laughs> that's another complaint but the story's still good all right it's still good uh the the last con that i have is the combat isn't as good as well it's as I've gotten farther in the game, like my character as of right now is level 79. I've been maining a Dragoon, which I love fucking Dragoons. Like, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it this much. I really thought I was going to stick with Paladin, but Dragoon just, like, caught on to me. Um, and I, the higher level I get, the more complex the combat and my rotation gets and the more fun I have with it. But at the beginning combat is boring i'm sorry it's boring you get like one to two abilities that you constantly press as you're doing combat and it's just it's not fun it's not fun at all like you're just bored to tears sometimes now i understand why they do that because for someone who's brand new to mmos i feel like that is a perfect way to let someone slowly get into their class the as much as I complained about it when I was first playing again, where it's like, oh, this is so boring. I've only got like two skills, three skills. But as I've started getting more and more skills as a Dragoon and as it's, you know, layering on top and some of the actions that I do are comboing with others, I'm starting to realize, oh, OK, they knew what they were doing with doling out the skills as slow as they did because, you know, Maybe those first two skills that I got, you know, they comboed off with each other, but that was it. And then the third skill I got didn't combo off with anything. But now, you know, 20 levels later, that third skill I got combos off four with four different things. And I've got like so many choices on what I can do in terms of combat. So 
when I mean the combat isn't as good, I really mean more towards the beginning of the game. Probably like the first 20 to 30 levels, it's going to feel boring until you start unlocking more and more skills. Um, now, how does that change in high-level raiding? I don't know. I haven't done any high-level raids except whatever the entry-level raids you have to do in the main story quest. So I'll be kind of curious to see if I ever get into the Savage or Ultimate raids. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I, I'm not, you know, going to dive into them or anything like that. But be interested to see and how they might do. But the, the combat is definitely way different compared to WoW. WoW is a lot more reflexive and it feels a lot more fluid when you're doing it. The, the combat in 14 feels a little bit more stiff. And there is that two and a half second global cooldown or two second global cooldown. I can't remember if it's two or two and a half. And it does feel like it slows things down. But once you get more and more skills, that two and a half uh, global cooldown will not feel that bad after a while. So, yeah, that, that about does it for Final Fantasy XIV. Um, you know, I, I've been loving the game so far. It's basically become my go-to MMO. I even bought the game on my PS5 and even been playing it on there for a little bit. I, I mainly just do the Gold Saucer on there when I don't feel like doing any main story quest. Gold Saucer is fucking addicting, by the way. I got like almost a million MGP on the first, um, uh, what was it, that during that rainy day, the, the, the Gold Saucer double MGP event that happened for like a month. But anyways, um, a lot of fun game. It's definitely recommended. And plus they have a free trial, which you can experience the first two games for free. Um, you experience all of Realm Reborn and Heaven's Ward for free up until level 60. Freaking amazing. Freaking amazing game. So there you have it. That is our episode tonight. Um, hope you all enjoyed the episode tonight. It was nice to go back to doing some of the solo stuff. Um, thank you all for watching and listening. I hope you all have a great night and great day, great weekend, and a great life. Thank you all, and have a good night.